0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Small details or big surfaces, tight corners or
1: odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustolium's new custom spray five and one gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom spray five in one, only from Rustolium.
2: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time.
0: Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community. And that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Hey, it's Trini. So I hope you've been enjoying the architects of reality series because we wanted to give you a glimpse into what you're gonna experience at this event. This isn't just another conference where you're gonna go home inspired for a few days and not see anything change in your life. You're going to leave with superpowers that allow you to bend reality. And because we're committed to making this affordable and accessible to all of our listeners, we've even set up a payment plan. And I encourage you to get your tickets ASAP because the prices will go up the closer we get to the conference. And given that it's been six years since we did the last one, it's entirely possible that there won't be another one after this. Go to unmistakablecreative.com slash reality and get your tickets today. Again, that's unmistakablecreative.com slash reality. Now, onto the show.
4: So one of the things that I think about when I think about creating change is that, I've, I've seen this a lot where people are very romantic or nostalgic about the person that they used to be or the place that they grew up and they feel like it's, it's unethical or it's out of integrity for them to leave the person that they were behind in the past where it actually is. And I, I've seen people limit themselves, like I can never do X because I'm just this type of person from this type of background. And as long as somebody's referencing their previous self, their childhood as as a reference point of who they can become, they're going to be extremely limited. Their potential is going to be shot. Uh And so, what I would encourage them to do is stop being so stop being so um, stuck in a way in in nostalgia and in romance and in feeling this. You know, I think for me, like I had to realize that it wasn't unethical or. Or lacking integrity to release whoever I used to be. Mm-hmm. And I, none of my relationships needed me to stay who I was. And you know, you've watched me change. It's not like I'm a totally different person, but yeah. I don't feel any obligation to anyone in my life to maintain a consistency. Right. And, and people can't guilt me into staying the same person if I don't want to be that person anymore.
5: All right, so picking up where we left off on Monday, uh, you have just moved to California, and I wanna spend some time talking uh, specifically about the role that environment plays and how it impacted your life to make such a drastic change to your environment.
4: Sure, well, I was fortunate to become aware of the fact that environments were the things that created sustainable change. Um, I'd spent years and years in personal development before going to California, you know, I'd read probably you know 400 plus personal development books and i had improved but i hadn't created the changes in my life that those things had promised or what i was hoping for and as you can tell from before you know moving to california i needed to make a really big change in my life and i I wanted to reinvent myself completely and i learned that in order to do that you need to change your environments and environments could be something as simple as how you dress how you make money the people you hang out with Um, where you go to church or don't go to church or, you know, there's all these different things that we can change. And the real sustainable way to make change is to change our environments. We've talked about this before on the show, but I got a chance to live it Mm -hmm. where I had an opportunity to totally recreate every environment in my life and I did it by design. So, Mm -hmm. I had the awareness and I was able to build new relationships and take jobs and not take jobs, etc. And those environments allowed me to become a new person. It wasn't so much about my willpower or the books that I read, it was about the environments that I created. And um, it, it really was a healing time for me mm-hmm. to, to really put people and things in my life, objects in my life that really reflected who I wanted to become versus who I was before. And that even you know involved getting rid of most of the stuff that I owned. You know, mm-hmm. when my wife and I moved to California, we got rid of almost everything. And I since have learned that the physical things in your environment can often be anchors to the past. So that was something that helped too, is just really starting fresh and creating all new environments helped me really heal quickly and create a pretty fast transformation.
5: Mm -hmm. So how do other people um, create environments in their own life that allow them to become the next version of themselves, the newer version of themselves, the person that they're aspiring to become? Like, where do they start?
4: Well, in the first place I would look if if somebody wants to become a new version of themselves is I'd start looking at the things in their life that aren't reflecting that. So if they want to be, I'm trying to think of an example here, but there may be things in either what they're wearing or, or physical objects in their environment or relationships that need to shift. So I would look at the things that that are really tying your current identity to your current life, uh-huh. your current experience, yeah. and then start to look at what are the things that are most holding me back from where I want to become. And it could be something like as a silly as a TV show you watch that's just keeping you, because of the time investment and because of the uh, influence, it's just keeping you in a certain you know, worldview. I've heard from a lot of people, and I don't want to harp on that you have to move to be successful, sure. but moving is one of those things. Updating your wardrobe is one of those things. So. But the place that I would start is I would just take a little audit of, of, of my life if, uh-huh. you know, anytime, because I still transform my environment and myself. Yeah, And I'll just start with what isn't congruent with the person that I want to become next. And uh-huh. then I'll just start changing those things that aren't congruent and start adding things that are.
5: Yeah. So, one of the things that you have talked to me about is the idea of standards, right? Like the current situation or circumstances isn't meeting your standards. And, and I'm curious, uh, you know, like, one, can you expand on that and explain that to people?
4: Sure, so your 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 life or success or whatever is a byproduct of the standards that you're currently allowing. So that also can include environments. And if you want to create a new, upgraded version of yourself, it's really going to be a byproduct of, of changing your standards. So some of the things that I'll do, and this is an instant boost for people that are looking to grow their self-worth,
6: mm-hmm.
4: is you write down a list of every area of your life Your relationships, how you, you know, just where you work, what you're tolerating, what you're eating. Think about as many areas of your life as you can and write down the current standards. What are you currently accepting for yourself in each area of your life? then it's time to start looking at what are the standards of the person I want to become next. And I'm not saying become one day, become next. And there's a big difference between the person, you don't want to have such a static self-concept that you just feel like the person you become next is you have to make this big decision on who I want to be forever. It's who do you want to be next? And start creating new standards so that the, the things that you're now tolerating are things that only that newer version of you are going to be tolerating. Mm-hmm. So one of the things for me that that i that I changed even recently is, I had a pretty small circle of friends and I started looking you know I work a lot as you know and I started looking at friends as kind of a nice to have and that was a standard of the old version of myself and the new standard that I'm creating is friends are a vital part of this 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 vibrant life that I'm I'm creating and they're really important to my success. Um, so that's just, you know, just an example of one of the standards that, I, that
5: I've personally been, been leveling up this year. Sure. So, you know, I mean, I think part of becoming a new version of yourself is also letting go of some of the things that are part of the older version of yourself. And, you know, we've talked about it in terms of environment physically, but how do you let go of a lot of the, the sort of emotional baggage from the past? Like, how do you release that? Well, that's
4: a it's a very complicated (laughs) question,
5: which you should be used Uh, to by now. (laughs)
4: Um, Where so one of the things that I think about when I think about creating change is that I've, I've seen this a lot where people are very romantic or nostalgic about the person that they used to be or the place that they grew up and they feel like it's it's unethical or it's out of integrity for them to leave the person that they were behind in the past where it actually is. And I, I've seen people limit themselves. They're like I, c- I can never do X because I'm just this type of person from this type of background. And as long as somebody's referencing their previous self, their childhood as, as a reference point of who they can become, they're going to be extremely limited. Their potential is going to be shot. Uh-huh. And so, what I would encourage them to do is st- stop being so f- stop being so. Um, like st- you know, stuck in a way in in nostalgia and in romance and in feeling this, you know. I think for me, like I had to realize that it wasn't unethical or, or lacking integrity. To release whoever I used to be mm-hmm. and I none of my relationships needed me to stay who I was and you know you've watched me change it's not like I'm a totally different person but yeah. I don't feel any obligation to anyone in my life to maintain a consistency right. and, and people can't guilt me into staying the same person if I don't want to be that person anymore uh-huh. and so I would just encourage everybody to, to really start thinking about okay if devoid of my past if that if the past has gone into a blank slate and I'm looking at who I want to become just start looking at who that person you want to become is as a reference point, and then go from there instead of, well, how would my, you know, my old, you know, roommate think about how I'm acting today? It's just let go of that. Like nobody cares. Uh And and that's one thing I've learned even with building this brand. Is there's probably a lot of people in my life that, that care about me that you know won't listen to this interview and you know we released a book together and <laughs> most people haven't read it. <laughs> I'm in the book. It's a Penguin book uh-huh. on, on bookshelves around the world. Uh, and a, a quick book plug. It's called Unmistakable. <laughs> my only, is better than the best. Yeah, than the best. And um, I've just realized how much people they don't really care that much. So you, you really are free to to be fluid in your self concept and uh-huh. um, you can change your values. You can be fluid. And the only thing that's really holding you to certain ways of living or believing are just the, 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 the anchors to the past and a feeling of guilt of often changing.
5: So one other thing I want to spend some time talking about is the fact that as a part of your sort of becoming a newer version of yourself, a, a huge part of it has been a physical transformation. Like, you know, the version of you that I knew, you know, three years ago when I when we met versus the version that you are. I mean, if people actually saw an Instagram photo of this, which I believe there are before and after pictures on your Instagram handle of this, yeah. um, it's a pretty radical transformation. And, and no, we're not selling a fitness product, but I, I think the, the thing that, you know, I want to talk about is, is why that was so important and, and what role that played in, you know, affecting other areas? Oh, man. So, the there, there's a bigger answer
4: that I talk about in that it's, uh, I jokingly refer to it as a masculine journey, mm-hmm. <laughs> which sounds a little goofy, but um, part of that had to do, so, so there's, there's a, a lot of facets to this, this physical transformation that I went through. So, the very first thing that comes to mind is my outsides weren't matching my insides, and I felt that there was an incongruency with how I felt as just a champion inside, and um, that was never expressed. I always felt like a like a missed uh, a missed champion, and there's something. And I felt I felt strong inside. I'd been through a lot, and I felt strong, and and I had this weak body, and uh, I just wanted my outsides to match my insides. Is, is is one, but the other thing was is I've always felt fairly uncomfortable. I don't anymore, but before I did this transformation, I felt uncomfortable around men. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up with with women. Um, you know, my, my, I have had father figures in my life. Absolutely, I've got my, my biological father and my stepdad. But for whatever reason, I related more with with women. I have a twin sister, and um, I always felt fairly awkward around guys. Mm-hmm. So part of the, the physical transformation was I got a chance to spend time in the gym with guys, and I started learning about. You know, I used to feel awkward because guys are silent a lot. And I started learning about this like sacred silence among men mm-hmm. and men can say a lot in their silence. And I think a lot of women, especially, they're like, what are you thinking or why you're so quiet? And, and a lot of times what I've learned from just not understanding it myself and now understanding it is that sometimes that's the supreme w- way of, of showing respect is from, from a man. is just to say, yeah, I don't even need to say anything right now. Like you walk into the gym and, and, and you just nod to each other. You don't, mm-hmm. need, you don't need to talk about the weekend or what's up. You just nod and there's a respect there. Yeah. So, I started feeling more comfortable around men. Um, I was just really wanting to just be a different version of me and, and, and a more masculine version, which I, I have. And the before and after pictures, pictures, I was like, uh, I was 167 pounds and had a baby face and now I'm, you know, 200 pounds with a big beard. <laughs> so, um, and I've gone through that masculine journey and now I feel equally um, comfortable around men and women. And uh,
5: yeah. Yeah. It's it's, awesome. it's it's interesting that uh, gender dynamics are what actually influenced that choice uh, of, of all things um Part, it's yeah. fascinating um well let's let's do this i i want to spend some time talking about uh how we met how, how we connected uh why we connected and, and kind of what led us to this point so um yeah where do we start
4: sure um so how we met if people are curious is uh Srini does answer his emails, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I watched an interview of him on Glenn Beck, somebody that I really respect, had shared this this cool interview with Srini, and said, if you like surfing and Seth Godin, check this out, and I, I downloaded your book, it was like two or three dollars, and it was the original Art of Being Unmistakable, and I loved the book, and I think I think a lot of it had to do with there was this resonance that... Um, you didn't want to be labeled, it seemed, which, which we've talked about. Uh-huh. And the system wasn't working for you, so you found your own way. And I just loved that, Th- the whole vibe of the book. I loved everything that you were about. In the back of the book, you had an email address. And I just asked you if you wanted to go surfing. I said, I loved your book. Would you like to go surfing? And that had to do with, I, I learned previously from networking that, if you wanna meet somebody that seems like a higher status than you or is busier than you, you find the thing that they love to do and try to meet them doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what I did with you. And I just wanted to get to know the guy who wrote the book and, and hopefully you know make a new friend and, and a new connection.
5: Yeah. You know, I, I think the, the, the interesting thing about that is, you know, you said, you know, if you wanna meet with somebody who is in a position of status or something like that, you know, send them an email and get them to do the thing that they love to do. I, I also think that, you know, sometimes, um, we assume that, that that is a tactic. Whereas I didn't feel that as a tactic at all, you know, I felt, okay, here's a guy who wants to come out and surf with me. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's worth mentioning that we didn't work, you know, start working together for almost a year, year and a half after that, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was one of those yeah. things where, you know, here, here's somebody that, you know, is just interested in bonding. And, and that was it. Like, there's no, there's no agenda. That's that I was, it was very clear that there was no agenda other than just, Hey, I want to meet up with you and surf.
4: <laughs> yeah. I, I was legitimately looking for, for more friends and more connections and if it turned into something that's great but I've got a longer-term vision about who I want to be in the world and just hey let's go surfing can I show up on your show can you mm-hmm. somehow boost the thing that I'm trying to work on can you give me a job you know I just wanted to become a friend and and then see you know what things just naturally develop from there and, and yeah. business partnership after yeah, a year of uh, getting to know each other.
5: So, you know, uh, one of the other questions I wanna ask you um, is is why you decided to join. Like, what was it that drew you to Unmistakable in particular?
4: Well, the the same thing that that encouraged me to join was the same thing that stuck out originally, which was the ethos of the brand of being unmistakable. Uh You know, it tends to hit on the things that I believe in, which is, you know, kind of coloring outside the lines to to a degree, thinking outside the box, being your own person you know rejecting labels and, and not being limited and I, I've always loved that um, the other thing that that attracted me to to work on it is it it looked like it was a really unique opportunity mm-hmm. um, number two that there was a lot of potential upside if things went well and then number three I mean you actually needed somebody to yeah. help you like if it wasn't for if it wasn't me like you, I, don't, I don't know who it would have been, and I don't know if you would have been, found the right person that you could trust, and it mm-hmm. just made sense for, for me to try to help.
5: Yeah. You know, I want to talk about a, a particular moment that uh, I think is really sort of formative in our working together. It was when we first started exploring this idea, and I had, you know, asked you, I said, what is your biggest concern? What do you think is the biggest issue? And you said to me, right now, you're the biggest liability in the entire business. And, um, you know, one, and I'm curious, you know, like, Just talk about that moment.
4: Yeah, we were looking at the sunset, which we've shared a lot of sunsets (laughs) together. (laughs) A lot of bromance. Yeah. Um, And in in that moment, um, you were really, really, really down, and the business was, what we have, like four or five months of cash, no sales, no sponsors, no products, and it just looked like things were going to go out the window, and this business was done, and who knows what you were gonna do. And uh, you were so down about it. Like, I've been around entrepreneurship enough to know that faith is, is one of the main ingredients. Yeah. And you didn't have it in that moment. And you seemed fairly destructive. And, and that attitude that you had seemed as if if it, if it le- was left unchecked, um, the business would just be no more. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've learned about you, just working with you, is that if I give you a logical enough answer, yeah, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, how did that impact you? I mean, what, what changed when I said that?
5: Um, you know, I, I think part of, of, of that was that, you know, I've always been willing to listen, especially when I know that my results are getting me something, you know, like my actions are, are netting results that aren't ideal. Uh, in those situations, I've always been open-minded. I, I think that, you know, it wasn't, it was weird. It wasn't hard to hear because I I kind of knew I didn't disagree with what you said. Uh, it was kind of exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So from that
4: point, you invited me to be basically operating CEO of unmistakable media. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we navigated some choppy waters (laughs) together Yeah, and from, we, we took the business from, it was doing I think negative like three or 4,000 a month and I don't even know what the revenue increase was but we brought in, it was like a quarter million in sales, um, ton of like a lot of profit in the first, I think 14 months of working together. Yeah. So we made a pretty dramatic Um, shift and fairly quickly though it didn't seem fast enough at the time (laughs) no (laughs) it didn't (laughs) like this story is so easy to tell yeah like hey in 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 one year we went from negative negative four thousand to like a quarter million or however long it was maybe a year and a half for sure but what what i left out was the the days that we're just sitting there drinking (laughs) jameson wondering what the heck we're gonna do yeah and uh (laughs) that sounds so unhealthy (laughs) maybe it was yeah um but that—that that was a big like. That was like our first ninety days. Yeah. Of, of that of that time, you know.
2: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news?
3: and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com ACAST.
5: I think the, it kind of takes us back to, to sort of the idea of environments and the role that, you know, changing environments played in all of this, uh, you know, part of the, the, you know, we're like talking about, you know, such a significant increase. Part of that was obviously the book deal from the publisher and a lot of other things that just kind of happened. Like a lot of things came together very suddenly that had been really a struggle. Um, but I want to talk about the role that our own changes in environment ended up playing. And more importantly, if somebody is looking at, okay, I have 90 days to take something from where it's at right now, which is not. Where I want it to be, to you know, where I want it to be. Sure. You know, how do people how do people turn situations around that are dire and seem hopeless? I guess is really the question. Okay. So it's interesting that you say
4: that because what I focus on now is helping small to medium sized businesses grow their profit and revenue in ninety days or less. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an interesting window. Um, the what i would suggest first is not trying to do it completely on your own you mm-hmm. know one of the biggest environment changes that you need is a is some some new emotional dna mm-hmm. so even if that just means a friend that's going to help you run the business for a little bit like if you're in trouble or if you're stagnated or plateaued get some get some new dna get some new emotional dna in the business get some new vision you know mm-hmm. don't count on just yourself having faith Uh, It's really, really hard for a business owner. It's a very lonely road. It can be to to carry that load of all the problems of the business, and then carry the load of faith. It takes work to have faith, Mm -hmm. and uh, I would just encourage people to not try to do it alone. That's number one. I mean, there's, as you know, I mean, we can talk about tactical stuff all day, which you and I actually do talk about tactical stuff all day. But I think the first thing is is just to um, recognize that 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 you need some help
5: yeah i, I think that's a big one because uh, you know i think we've we've really kind of sold people this idea you know just based on on sort of the lifestyle design world and everything uh, this notion of solo entrepreneurship but um almost all the statistics show and even sam altman who is, is the president of y combinator has said you know they don't invest in many solo founders because the failure rate is so high
4: yeah, I have this theory that, okay, so you, you've heard the whole body image issues, right, uh-huh. like Barbie and stuff, yep. is I think for men and probably for women as well, um, we've been programmed with the superhero um, cultural narrative where we feel as if we're not James, like for example, James Bond needs to do everything on his own. He's just this this hero that that doesn't need any help from anybody. In fact, other people hold him back. Superman, Spider-Man, you, you know, every super, superhero is going to give this lone wolf message to the world. And I think in a lot of ways, men have been stunted with that. And, and men don't ask for help. Um, we feel like we need to do it alone or if there's something wrong with us. And one of the things that I, and I was a lone wolf for a while and men did that freaking suck. And one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, lone wolves starve. You have to hunt as a pack. And that means you, you get help. You work as a team. And if you look in in reality, there's no such thing as James James Bond. There's Mm -hmm. high performance teams. And if you're trying to James Bond your business, it's likely that you're gonna be in big trouble Mm -hmm. and and you're gonna be the lone wolf that starves.
5: Yeah. So I want to talk about this idea of high performance teams, and I want to approach it from uh, a couple of different contexts. One is how you build them. But I want to start by talking about, you know, why is it that you think that you and I worked, uh, you know, as a team so well, when, you know, we'd had multiple people come through here before, some of who made invaluable contributions, um, and actually did play a huge role, people like Greg Hartle. But, you know, I'm curious what it is you think that enabled us to gel in, and what can people take away from that?
4: Well, I, hmm. Looking, at, looking at our dynamic is—I um, really wanted to build something with a friend. I think yeah. that's part of it. And w- one of the cool things about business is I think it gives you access to build amazing relationships. Um, it can also ruin amazing relationships. Um, but I—I I got in this business because I wanted to—to to be a friend that that grew a, a future together. And I think that was one of the big things. So all of our communication. Was if, if I'm thinking about it from a friend first, yeah. it's 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 honest. I wanted you, you to be an equal. I didn't want to come in and boss you around. I wanted to have both of us be completely empowered. And when we first first started working together, um, you didn't you weren't really uh, confident in making decisions. And uh-huh. if I'm going to build a long-term business with a partner, I mean I need a partner who's capable and who, who can crush it on their own. So we're equals, yeah. and uh, it makes a lot of sense for both of us just to level up and be empowered and uh, so all of our communication was just teamwork uh, and, and and honesty and, and openness
5: yeah well let's speak briefly about sort of how other people build high performance teams because I, mean, I think we've learned a lot of lessons about hiring about how to grow i mean we've been very fortunate in that um you know, we found somebody like kingshuk who has, has been a you know godsend to us um you know for those of you who are not on our email newsletter if you have not been subscribed, you're, you're definitely missing out. And he's been doing an amazing job, um, really kind of, you know, taking everything we have and, you know, packaging it in a way that's incredibly compelling. But let's talk about briefly about this idea of high performance teams. And what are the, you know, what is the role that a high performance team ends up playing on the overall sort of, uh, destiny of a company?
4: Okay. Um, so, uh, high perf- I, I'm not completely qualified to be a high performance team. Um, you know, expert, but one thing that I would, I would start with If you only had, if you could only throw one ingredient in, I would throw honesty mm-hmm. and, um, That's the only way I've ever seen for dysfunctional companies to turn around quickly, for teams to turn around quickly, for businesses to create profit where they haven't before, um, for relationships and executive teams to be reconciled. It's just honesty. And I think if people are super honest with each other, they'll naturally become more high performance. Mm -hmm. Um, so, So that's number one. And then, you know, high performance teams, how they impact businesses. Well just like how they impact anything. They they win championships in, in business and in sports and in, in life. Um but, you know, clearly. So um, yeah, if there's if there if the team is running slow, there's mm-hmm. likely a lack of communication going on.
5: Yeah. So you alluded briefly to it, um, you know, in terms of the work that you have been doing with people in terms of of, of turning things around. So I want to give you a a chance to talk, you know, a a bit more in depth about the kinds of results that you've been able to produce. And also, you know, this is another place to talk about, um, you know, why is it that you see certain people getting results, uh, you know, when they do what they do and other people don't? Like, why is there this drastic gap? That we see yes i'll start with the second question first because i think it's more interesting yeah (laughs) Um,
4: absolutely um, so why some people get results and others don't Um, the the first thing that comes to mind for me and and what i've been able to help people with right away is they're often implementing the wrong strategies and i've seen so many good people go down wrong rabbit holes and I, i and the only reason i can speak to this so well is because i've done this myself where I'm looking at this bookshelf of hundred you know how many hundreds of books maybe I don't know maybe it's one hundred or three hundred I don't know. Um, I used to read books when I, when I wanted to get better results uh-huh. and that can't help, but the reality is people need to change their strategies. And if a good person, if a good hardworking person is failing or not growing their business, it's not a byproduct of the person in the mirror. It's a byproduct of what strategies and tactics are they implement they're implementing. Uh, so I've been able to help people, especially people that are stuck in, in self-analyzation and, and just, just stuck in general emotionally, just get their eyes off of themselves and what's wrong with me. And look at the look at the data, look at what the numbers are showing, look at what the strategies are, are presenting, look at what else could be actually done. Uh-huh. And it's amazing what happens to people's self-esteem. Like they, they feel stuck and they feel like they need to go to a Tony Robbins event mm-hmm. and then we help them get better results and it's funny what happens as their self-esteem increases. Yeah. And a, a lot of times people try it the other way around and I think it's cool to, you know, I'm a big believer in mindset and environments obviously, um, but it, but changing the strategies and tactics are key and not overthinking yourself uh-huh. um, is, is a really big part of, of turning things around. Yeah. So as far as the, the work that I do, you can tell there's probably some some more mental emotional coaching that goes in uh-huh. um, but I have a process that I take business owners through small to medium, medium-sized businesses and it's not always about turning things around if, if they're bad um, that that's really rewarding for me I feel really aligned with my purpose when I can help people you know break through um, but also also it's just helping people reach their own potential you know I, I believe that if a business owner is willing to work hard then they should be rewarded for it dramatically and that good people should never stay in a struggling state. And, mm-hmm. and if they are, we can, we can, we can help them. Yeah. So my work just has to do with that. It's more about, um, I do touch mental and emotional because it's clearly important. Money story is important. Yeah. Um, but then the strat- actual strategies and tactics and what you're doing on a daily basis. The other thing I'll share that, that has been completely transformational for me and for so many other people is most business owners don't know what is the highest value activity that they should be doing every single day. Uh And a lot of times we spend time in procrastination thinking that we're building the business. So that could be getting organized or having meetings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if the business is lacking in sales, the highest value activity needs to be what what one or two actions can I do to actually bring a new sale into the business every day? And anything other than that is a distraction. Mm -hmm. So everything else has to come after the highest value activities. So once I can break down for a business owner, what is your highest value activity? What's your team, each member of your team's highest value activity? What's the fastest path to new revenue right now? A lot of times business owners see that it's clear. It's really clear when we look at it the fastest path to new revenue and sales growth. And, and oftentimes they're, they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. And so it's really about accountability, figuring out what value, uh, what high value activity there is, building new strategies, there's all sorts of stuff I do. I don't want to get into the tactics. Yeah,
5: yeah for sure. Uh, but. Uh, but yeah, So I want to spend a, a bit more time talking about mindset. And of course, I, I definitely um, want to spend a little bit of time talking about money story as well. And and how you start to unwind it and change it and how you have in your own life. Um, one of the things that has been interesting, and I think I've seen this in myself, I've seen it in other people where their um, actual skill level exceeds their internal perception of what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why does that occur? And, 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 you know, like, what can be done about it? Because that's a really strange sort of paradox, where the results are far better than what you believe of yourself.
4: Yeah, so are you talking, um, what type of results? Are you talking about if people create big results and they're still they're still feeling insecure? Yeah,
5: exactly. That's one way to look at it.
4: Well, if they're creating big results and they're still feeling insecure, it's likely that one aspect of the results are not showing up. So they might be creating um, big results for for one key performance indicator of the business, but maybe there's revenue not coming in so they've got great exposure or uh-huh. they're doing something, but th- things aren't firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And if, so if, if I see somebody that's, got an incongruency with their how skilled they are and their belief about themselves. I, I want to find where is that one th- piece of validation with their with the results that they're that they're lacking. That if we can help them create a strategy to get that result, that's going to improve their their self esteem you know, dramatically.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, you know, otherwise there, there's other there's other tools that can be used to help people's self esteem, but. You know, I've met a lot of people. Now, if you're talking about purely just business results, yeah. if you get your skills right, and if you apply those skills in the right environment, the results will change dramatically, and then that changes your your self-concept. It does change your money story, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that that creates more congruency. Is it's hard to ar- your subconscious mind has a hard time arguing with with results.
5: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to spend the remainder of time talking about two ideas, you know, uh, and I think they're both kind of related interrelated. um, This idea of self concept and money story, you know, you've alluded to the idea that self concept is a a fluid thing. Um, I'd love for you to expand on that and also talk about, you know, how does that relate to money story? Like the idea of self concept? And, you know, how do people change their money story? Because I've seen you change yours. I've seen you help me change mine. It's pretty drastically different than it was even a year ago at this point.
4: Sure. So, you know, self-concept, what is self is something that's clearly still very debatable. Um, But self-concept to me is, you know, who do you believe you are? What are your beliefs? What are your values? And those things can change tremendously and dramatically. And they don't change without a price, like every time you change your self-concept, you will go through an existential crisis. You'll likely go through a little bit of anger or apathy. Um, It's one of the the dark sides of personal development that we often don't talk about is Mm -hmm. that anger is likely one of the the strongest catalysts. So if somebody out there is listening and you've been feeling very angry lately, that might be an indication that you're right on the cusp of changing. Um, So as far as I think the willingness and acceptance of knowing that you can change your beliefs, that you should change your beliefs, that your values can change, that the values that you, Or grew up with or are passed down don't have to be the values that, that you live with you know for the rest of your life and your values can change however many times they, they need to to as you get more information and on who you want to be
6: mm-hmm.
4: um and I'm, so as far as you know one of the belief systems that i see impacting people fairly dramatically uh, is is their money story and this is so interesting because you know, we, we have stories about everything in life, and the money story is, is one of them that, that tends to be, be a big one. And so one of the examples that I'll share is a lot of people have a, a money story, myself included in the past, that money is a byproduct of suffering. Money is a byproduct of blood, sweat, and tears. That if you didn't work extremely hard and feel some sort of suffering for money, that it was unethical in some way. And that belief system will create tension, it will create guilt, it will create awkwardness. So around even getting a promotion or closing a sale, you'll feel awkward. If if you feel like money came from suffering and you want to get more money from somebody or a company, you'll feel like, wow, I need to suffer more or I feel guilty. And that can be very limiting. And oftentimes that that money story really ties down to just how we feel about ourselves in the world. So a limiting money story or a scarcity money story will will typically tie into a a whole belief system that I have to do to be loved or I have to do to feel belonging. It's more about action, action, action in order to feel comfortable in your own skin or or comfortable with making money in a meeting, closing a sale. All that stuff is deeply, deeply um, intertwined. Uh-huh. And changing it is a whole, you know, there's a lot of things I can I can share, but the first thing I share is just awareness. Just think about, you know, even if you came from a wealthy family, there could be some limiting money stories there or, Everyone has their own their own form of a money story, and just thinking about what is mine. And if you re- if you really want to figure out what your money story is, you can look at your bank account. Yeah. And that's a good way of of knowing to a degree. And and if it's not to where you'd like it to be, there's likely a story that you've been telling yourself that's limiting. And I know that sounds probably kind of ridiculous, but um, sure. But it, it is one of those things. Like you've asked me before, how do you know how your subconscious mind is programmed? Yeah. Look at your life. Uh. That'll tell you exactly how your subconscious mind is programmed. Um. And the money story lags. So your money story might change, and your skills and your your strategies might change, and the money story is gonna, the results will will be maybe 90 days behind a change. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the thing is just awareness. I'd start with that. I mean, there's a lot that I could talk about with changing beliefs, Uh but the, the very first thing I would just ask people to do is be aware of what their money story might be.
5: So you've seen mind change. I think, uh, you know, looking at this through the lens of something very concrete might be helpful. So I mean, what did, wh- I mean, you've played a role in helping it change. So what changed? Like, how did it change? Like, what is the difference? Like, why Why? Why is it so different now than it was even a year ago? Well, your money and your business story had, a, had to do with pain and suffering. And
4: every time you've tried to make money in the past, you got fired. You know, you talk about this in your books. You, you had trauma, you had pain. So for you, it seemed as if money, like the whole more money, more problems thing yeah. was so true for you. And you had a belief that in order for you to make more money, and I think that's why you you didn't ask for money, you, you weren't monetizing, you know, no matter how hard you worked, you weren't asking for, for increase in sales or offering products. And I kind of think subconsciously, you didn't, you didn't want to, to bring on the suffering that came with it. Uh-huh. So we, as far as changing, it, I mean, we had a lot of conversations around, around, money around business and what is our business story just uh, growing a business doesn't mean more suffering
6: Mm
4: -hmm. Uh, making more money doesn't mean more suffering it can actually mean the opposite and uh as far as as far as change i mean it's hard to consolidate you know 100 conversations and into a (laughs) 30 second soundbite right but um I do think it had to do with awareness and then challenging
5: challenging the beliefs. Yeah. I, I think there there's awareness, there's challenging belief, and then there I think is, is sort of your actual actions um, in terms of, of how you behave, right? right? Very small things I think we we really underestimate the impact of. You know, Bushra Azar talked about, you know, even when she was making ten dollars a month giving away ten percent of her income. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I think is, is a re- and a, that's a really hard thing for people to get their heads around is is hey, I'm gonna be, you know, charitable when I don't have a lot to give. And I can tell you from experience, that is absolutely one of the most profound ways to start unwinding this idea that you don't have enough. And, and without you know exception, it seems to have come back to me every time.
4: Yeah, certainly. It's been proven even by, um, by research that the thing that you're lacking in your life, if you give it away, mm-hmm. you'll feel more abundance in that area. So if you're lacking time, if you donate some time, you'll feel more time. You'll be more resourceful with the time that you have. Um, so yeah, I think, I think anyone that is struggling with money, even if you can only give a dollar away. Mm -hmm. Um, That can be very helpful. It can change the energy, you know, and and we we can get really deep and just talk about how all beliefs essentially are energy and and the uh, the energy that you have around a subject will will impact the results of that subject. But Mm -hmm. uh, maybe another interview.
5: Yeah. Wow. Uh, Well, this has been super interesting. Um, I want to wrap with a question. I know you've heard me ask more than a couple hundred times. Uh, <laughs> funny enough, I don't think I've ever asked it, you, asked it to you. <laughs> you uh, haven't asked the question. No, no, I haven't. So what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? So my belief is that everybody is
4: unmistakable and that you just need to know the questions to ask and, and care enough and, and you'll find it.
5: Hmm. Well, where can people learn more about uh, everything that you're up to and, and what you have going on? Because I know we have something to share with our listeners as well. Yeah,
4: so if you go to unmistakablecreative.com/consulting, you'll have an opportunity to um, submit a form and see if our team and if I can work with you guys to help you. Whether it's uh, you've got a business or you're a solopreneur, or um, if you just want some help with uh, growing your growing your sales, growing your revenue, looking uh, seeing how we can help, um, just just apply there. And I'd love to get to know every single person that applies
5: and, and look forward to it. Awesome! And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared.
1: Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall.